I think we all can agree that life is hard and it hits us in the roughest of ways, but somehow we keep getting up and moving forward. How do we do that? Have you ever lost a loved one or got diagnosed with something so gnarly? Got your heart broken? Just had so many rough things happen. How do we get up? How do we look for the light at the end of the tunnel? Well, you know what? We're going to find out together. We're going to go looking for it. This podcast, In Search of Hope, with me, Ugo, we'll be together on this journey. And if all else fails, we'll have each other. In Search of Hope podcast. Let's do it. So I've stopped and started and tried to record the same podcast maybe twice just now. Um, because a part of me is like, nah, I can do it when I'm tired. Let me just knock it out. But then when I when I do that, I'm like, there's no way you should approach it like that because people deserve much better than that. You know, they don't they don't deserve something that you just flying through. But I feel like I, I I'm gonna tell it though. And someone once told me, if you're going to tell a story, bro, just tell it. All right? So let me tell it. Anyway, what I want to do right now is have a hard conversation with you. I want to talk to you like a friend. I want to tell you what I wish somebody was there to tell me and walk me through. It's about making the hard decisions for the people that we love when it's towards the end. When my dad was sick last year. It came to a point where we had to decide hospice or to continue another chemo drug and see how that would go with him. But let me back up a little bit. Let's back up a couple of months. It's 2018. Uh, We find out that he's... uh, that he has stage four prostate cancer, uh, maybe in February. I remember I was at a, I was at a, cl- a clinical in the NICU when I got the, when I got the information. And uh, that has no bearing on the story. It just shows that everything that happened then is imprinted in my mind and it's never going to leave. Um, but what we do is we go take him to see his oncologist. His oncologist prescribes him a, um, a medication. I'm not going to say the medication's name just because I, I'm not trying to dissuade against certain medications or not. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here saying chemotherapy is bad, this or that. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm an oncology nurse. I've seen the benefits. And I've seen the other things. But just like life, everything is a spectrum. So anyway, we take him to see oncologist. They prescribe him a medication. Two and a half weeks later, two weeks later, um, I, I I I forgot why I was home, but I was about to go for a run. And um, maybe I, I've told the story or maybe a podcast episodes that haven't come out. But I'm about to go for a run. So I go to go. I go to say you know, bye to him. And normally when I go for a run, he says, oh, enjoy it. Be careful. Be safe. Um, I'm like, all right. But then I noticed that he's like in slow motion and I hear my sister's voice on the phone and she sounds very concerned. 
And so instead of me just dipping out to go run, I, I look back in and I automatically, I knew something was off. I knew something was wrong. You know, um, you know, it's like in nursing school. And at that time, you know, my uh, skills, my, my assessment skills weren't what they are now. Um, but there's this thing where they say, just trust your intuition. Like you can, if you know your patient, you can look at them and just know when something's off. And just like how we can look at our loved ones and know that something's off. So if I'm the nurse and I'm taking care of my dad, or if I'm a nursing student who's taking care of my dad, well, I know my father. So I automatically knew something was off, you know, and I, you know, did all the, the assessments that I could and I, I ran out of ideas. I mean, he was, he was like in slow motion. It's like, he couldn't stand up also. Um, it's like his strength and his legs were all gone. The night before he was walking, the day before he was walking, and now nothing. Um, and he's not really with it. He's kind of looking, he's just looking bad, real bad. Um, so I call up, you know, I call up Isaac, my man Isaac Gordon, who's a pediatrician, and I tell him what's going on. And he says, take him, take him to the ER immediately. He said, immediately take him to the ER. You know, and that's not <laughs> what you want to hear. <laughs> um, but I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to run. You know, um, so, and I'm going to skip a bunch of details. Maybe I'll come back and revisit um, to really tell it all. But for right now, that's not the point. So we get to the ER. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a process. Um, but what ends up happening is that, you know, they're trying to assess what's going on. Um, he's there for a bit, but as the days go, go, go on, his mind starts coming back because he wasn't really, he wasn't really there. His mind slowly starts to come back. He starts to get a little more strength back in his legs. Um, but now he has to walk with a walker and for the rest of his life, he had to use a walker from that day forward. I mean, from that incident forward. So what happened was, is that since he was in the hospital, they held the chemotherapy. They held the chemo pills, which means they didn't give it. So as it was getting out of his system, he started coming back. And um, at that point, I knew we was going to have to make some decisions. Now, um, you know, my siblings and dad had entrusted me to make the... Uh, the heavy decisions about the care, what we're going to do, because I spent, I had six years of experience, you know, working in an oncology hospital, you know, then I was at the moment in nursing school and I just, I was just around these things. Um, and also being the, so being the youngest too, that's a real shift because in the Nigerian culture, the old, the elders, you know, older, older siblings, they have all the say and they have all the, the responsibility when it comes to these things. So when it comes to life circumstances or big decisions with the family, I can just be like, oh, nah, my, my, my siblings are going to take care of that. I could just, you know, I could, you know, just ride the wave and support from the back and chill, you know. Um, but this wasn't, this wasn't the case. And now the, the, the older siblings had entrusted this responsibility to me. 
Um, and that, 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 you know, that, that sense of pressure is, is there and, and insecurity. Um, like, will I make the right decisions? Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing what's best? So now there's an, now, now we, we, we come to a place in, in the hospital where it's like, all right, we need to get discharged. We need to find out what we're going to do. And his oncologist was like, well, let's just try another chemo. Oh, like this one didn't work. Let's try another one. And I'm looking at my dad and I'm thinking, he's not going to survive more chemo. He's not surviving, man. This, the chemo pill that he just had knocked out his ability to walk. And if my dad, who's a very independent, self-reliant Nigerian man, loses that ability on a gamble, we're shutting him down. We are shutting him down in multiple ways, not just physically now. Emotionally, mentally, he's checking out at that point. I think as people, we we have to we have to begin to realize there are certain trade-offs that are not worth it for certain people. And I knew that trade-off wouldn't be worth it for my dad. Also, because and these are some of the things I'm thinking about. And I'm cross-referencing my ideas with different doctors, different oncology nurses, you know, myself, just really going over it to make this decision. Because I'm like, wait, I, I'm sitting there thinking, I don't think we should try another one. I see the state he's in. He's not, he's not coming back from this. You know what I'm saying? I had to sit with that. Like, I knew that. And if we think on a, like a larger scale, you know, we as people, they're all, they're all, always, 100% of the time, comes a point where we reach the end of our 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 timeline and that's okay and now I can understand I can understand why some people would say in a situation um you gave up or you were giving up on him or when they look at hospice they look at it as giving up and I've seen people put they're, and I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm doing my, I, I don't try to judge in these situations because nobody knows how they're going to react in these, in these, in these circumstances and people's belief systems are different, but I've seen people put their family members who are the patients through some of the most harrowing experiences by continuing treatment when a, when everyone knows this person is on their way out let them let's help ease them out let's help ease them out we have that ability to help people 
pass on with more comfort, with more peace. But I've seen family say, you know, I need you. I want you to do everything until the last, until nothing else can be done. And nurses, when we hear that, it's like, oh, man, because we know how messy it's going to be. We know how ah, this is not going to be pretty. It's going to be awful. It's going to be awful for everyone here because nobody wants to do that to a person. Talking about CPR, life-saving techniques on a, on, on a body that's already just withering away. I remember, I remember uh, when we were in the ER, when I was explaining a DNR to my dad, you know, where like the doctor said, you know, do you want us to do whatever we can to bring you back? I mean, yeah, who would say, who would say no? When you explain it like that, but then when you explain the other side of it, well, you go a little further. Okay. Well, okay. Let me tell you what these, these life saving techniques are. Um, CPR. It ain't like how it is in Baywatch. Imagine you take a frail person who is the patient and you're now, people are just pumping on their chest. Not sure how long it's going to go on for, but let me tell you what's going to happen. Bones are going to break. And those ribs, the likelihood it's going to puncture your lung. You're also going to be intubated. Which means a machine is going to be breathing for you. And after you get to a certain point of your, your health breaking down, the likelihood of you coming off that machine is very low. So when they talk about life-saving techniques, this is what we're talking about. I had to explain that to my dad. He was like, oh. No, I don't. I don't want that. So I remember we did sign that DNR. And sometimes you have to talk about DNRs multiple times because people can understand it in one context and then they can maybe in another emotional state or start to feel a little better and they may think they want to rescind that. Anyway, back to the chemo. Uh, I said, no, we don't want to do that. And the other option was then to go on hospice. And I remember that that decision. It was uh, uh it's like punching myself in the stomach over and over and over again. You ever knew, you ever have been that you ever knew that you were making the right decision? But you just kept on second guessing. Second guessing, I guess. I remember CJ and I, my fiance, my girlfriend at the time, who's just, who's just so amazing to my dad and I, to my family and I in that, in, in that time. So, so faithful to us. So, just, I couldn't have asked for a, a better partner in those times. 
And that's why she's my fiance now. Come on, man. Can't let her get away. Come on, bro. <laughs> Shoot. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm saying. Uh, but what was I saying now? What was I saying now? <laughs> oh, yes. The day. <laughs> the day we decided to go in hospice. And it's like, it sounds so crazy. I'm laughing about, as I talk about the day we decided to go to hospice. Um, but we go to the hospital because we're picking them up. And it's it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, a, a tornado because, you know, they let us know, okay, we're discharging him in this day. And I was like, you need to get him out and blah, blah, blah. It, they could have done a, a better job with that communication. Um, so we have to make this decision that day. And I met with the hospice nurse and while I was meeting with her, CJ was just talking to my dad and kind of keeping him company and he was ready to go, um, ready to come home. And, uh, and I was so grateful that she was with him because the meeting I had with the lady, it just took so much longer than I thought because I just sat, I was just sitting there. Like my hands, you know, um, my head in my, my head in my lap, just like, what is happening? It was all happened so fast. And now I'm thinking about, I'm going back and forth in my head. Like, okay, we'll go remember the conversations you had with people. Remember what you know to be true. And, and, and people could say, well, okay. Why wouldn't you try that other chemo medication? You know, they could say, well, it could possibly extend his life, right? Isn't that a good thing? You see, that's where we go. That's, that's the catch again. When we question a little further, what does extend his life mean? Because technically extending his life can mean a week. Or it can mean three years, five years. In this situation, three or five years is off the table, bro. No, that ain't happening. As a matter of fact, oftentimes when they're talking about when we're in these situations and we're kind of like at the end and we talk about life or drugs that can maybe extend the life a little further. The patients and the families are often thinking in terms of years, but oftentimes medical staff are thinking weeks and months. You know what I'm saying? Like a drug can extend your life, it can maybe give you a couple more weeks. A couple more weeks. Okay, well, would it be a couple more weeks as I am in this current state that's manageable? Oh, well, we don't know that because some of these drugs may have side effects that may make you in much worse shape. So it's like, yeah, you will get a little further, but the state you're in when you get there, oh, it's awful. And matter of fact, by the time my dad did pass away, he was ready to go. It had been too long already. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes we don't know these things and, and, and when we're the families having to make these decisions on the spot or in these moments, of course we're going to extend 
if we hear that, we want to hope against all odds that this ain't really happening and then maybe we can hold off a bit. But going on hospice for my dad and my family, man, I got to say it was probably the best decision that we've made. Oh my gosh, the best decision. Because what it allowed, it allowed quality time. It allowed quality time. Because we know life isn't just measured by how long you can go for. I mean, say you're say you're in a in a relationship for 20 years, but it's terrible. Versus you in a relationship for 10 years. And yeah, it ended at 10 years, but it was, it was a great relationship. You would look fondly and say, no, give me the 10 years of happiness. Give me the 10 years of joy. Well, I can't say for everybody, but mo you would say, give me the 10 years of joy. Give me the 10 years of quality. Instead of enduring for 20. So time don't mean quality. Time does not equate to quality, but what we did get for my dad, with my dad, quality. The the man, the the memories that that I have, that I was able to have because of that time. Man, I wouldn't change that for anything. Those the hardest, the hardest times of my life. I still wouldn't have changed it. Man, even simple things to taking him to radiation. Because when you get on hospice, you can still get palliative care to reduce pain. You know, you're just not getting treatment for the disease anymore. So what happens is you you just kind of allow the um, the disease process to go, to happen. You know, um, so you just don't treat that anymore. Uh, you still you know, take other medications. If you have blood pressure medication, you take diabetes medication, you take, um, they even give you like things like Ativan, morphine for pain. Um, they give you a comfort package and I was very grateful. We never had to pop open a comfort package. Um, cause my dad's pain wasn't really that present. And I knew we were very fortunate in that, in that situation. Cause pain is a real thing. Um, I remember, yeah, just going with him for radiation and, um, you know, get him out the car, get him in the wheelchair and, uh, or sometimes he'd want to walk with the walker cause he liked to, he kind of overestimated his strength. Um, but we'd be walking in, right? We'd be walking in and there was like a mirror on the ceiling that kind of lets you see around the corner. You know how these mirrors work. And every time I would come in, I would look at myself and I look at him in the reflection. And I just knew in those moments, I, I'm like, I'm going to cherish these moments forever. I loved it. It's just him, just him and I. I should also tell you, me and my dad had an awful relationship growing up. But as we got older, things changed. Things changed to the point that the relationship I had always been seeking and praying for and thinking that was beyond me, that wasn't in my cards, 
is something I got in the end. The biggest gift Yeah. Sometimes we have to make a, a decision to say uh, we're going to go with quality. We're going to go with quality. Now, I'm in no way trying to tell anybody what to do about anything. That's not why I'm here. I'm here just to tell you what happened with me and my family and my dad and and what some of these options will be for you. You know, you make the decision, you know, accordingly. And there is no right. There's no wrong. We just do the best we can, right? And that's okay. And that's okay. Sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to feel like we have to get everything right. Man. That's not how it is, man. I, man, even myself, man. And and, and when I and when I talk to you about these things, I'm not talking to you as someone who's who's far removed from the emotions of everything or some expert. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just your brother. I'm just your friend telling you, telling you what my experience was like, telling you what I wish somebody was there to tell me. I think another part of it is being okay that things have to end. Be okay that things have to end. Does that make it any easier? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I was even on my way, on my way home, I was driving home and I, and uh, November 10th is the day he passed away and I thought, you know, because he was, that day he passed away, he was in less pain. He's not, you know what I mean? He was in no, he's no longer in any pain. I thought, well, could I, could I eventually look back and say, well, that was a good day. Like maybe, maybe I had reached some sort of a, some place in my mind where I could say, well, I, I, man, that was a good day. And in some aspects, I can understand that. I can get with that idea. But a hundred percent, it's between you and I. My day sucked. My day's terrible. I hate it. I can't call it a good day. I'm, I was, I was relieved he was no longer suffering. This wasn't wasn't a good day. Oh, I'm not at that point. Where I can uh, I can turn around and say, ah, you know what? <sighs> it was. Maybe next year. Maybe the following. Maybe when I see him again sometime. 
But as of now, nah, that wasn't a good day. So, where's the hope? Do I, <laughs> do I really want to hold myself to trying to find hope in every situation? I mean, well, that's the title of the podcast, right? In Search of Hope. <laughs> well, maybe it should be in, in Search of Catharsis. That way, I, don't, I, have no, I, I will feel no responsibility of just getting up here and venting and just talking and getting it out and then just leaving. Maybe that's sometimes what we have to do, right? Maybe that's why we have each other. Where we can just, you know what? Thank you for listening and let me get this off my chest. That's something. But what I do think is hopeful is that in this situation with my dad, I didn't have any regrets. I mean, guilt and and guilt and self-loathing does creep in and 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 sometimes say, man, I wish, you know, like you should have done more. And realistically, there's nothing more I could have done. You know, I remember I just I was in my kitchen table earlier this year. Just I just broke down in tears. Like I should have I should have seen it coming. I should have seen it happening. I saw him losing weight. I I should have Bruh. I can't do that to myself. Better yet, it's like I'm talking to myself, bruh. You can't do that to yourself. There's no hope in that. But I'm so encouraged when people remind me of what my dad would say about me and how he would thank me. And say, uh, he would joke and say, he's the first, you know, uh, recipient of my nursing education. Yeah. I often tell people, when you're having good moments, in your mind, slow it down. And appreciate it. Take it in. Because these moments won't always be there. I mean, that's how it is. But if you can stop for a little bit. Just appreciate that it's a beautiful moment. And if we can stop. Appreciate these beautiful moments. And over time. We amass more beautiful moments, more moments of peace. And we turn around and look at our lives and we see a bunch of these. And we can collect them. We can consider ourselves blessed to have had these moments. These moments were never supposed to be forever. But the fact that we were able to have them, nothing we have here is supposed to be forever. So I can't hold on to this tighter than I'm really meant to. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to die. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to cry. It's okay to vent. 
It's okay to not know what to do. It's okay to not know how you're healing. It's okay to still be angry. It's okay to still feel lost. Everything that we feel in these times and these emotions, they're okay. Now what you do with them, that's, that's a different story. So I don't want you to do anything negative with yours, with your feelings, with your emotions. Cause I've had those urges too, to want to do something negative, but let's not. You take that energy and convert it to something else. Like a podcast. And that's why we're here. Love y'all. Love yourself. Peace. I'm stressing to you again that these are specific to the situation my family was in. The situation you may find yourself in with your family if that's something that happens please get advice from your doctors get advice from your nurses get advice from your family pray about it do whatever you have to do but please do not just use this episode to make those type of decisions this is me just giving you our side of the story about quality of life